Welcome to Beauty Therapy, a podcast for beauty professionals. I'm your host, Kira Doyle. In our industry, we often give so much we forget to leave anything for ourselves. This is your reminder to take care of the many parts of infinite you. Join me on my quest to cultivate self-love, to become the healthiest, happiest version of you so you can be fully aligned with your work, grow your business, and frankly, kick ass. Hi there, I'm Kira Doyle. I'm your host. I'm so happy you're here. If this is your first time, welcome. This is Beauty Therapy. It's a podcast for beauty professionals and really for anyone who is looking to find some inner balance in their life, uh, explore spirituality. If you exist in this world, you know so much of it is about outward appearances and outward beauty. So this is just our time to kind of come inward reflect and give ourselves some self-love and some might even call it therapy and if you've been here before welcome back thank you guys for coming it means so much to me i have been having a pretty good laugh lately about all the memes going out around ted talks some of the funny ones that i saw there was one that said iced coffee should be cheaper than the same size hot coffee because like half of what you're paying for is literally ice Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. And there's just been so many other good ones that have just had me LOLing. And in the spirit of TED Talks, I was in the shower the other day where great ideas always come to me. Isn't that how it always is? Just in the shower while we're feeling free and, you know, in our most natural state. I heard loud and clear, share your TED Talk. I was kind of stressed out about some interviews had gotten switched around and I really didn't know what I was going to play. So when I heard that, I thought, okay, um, I don't know if anyone will be interested in hearing the content of the talk. You know, I'd given it two years ago. Is it still relevant? All of these things. And then I kind of heard back in response. It's not the talk. It's really the story about how the talk came to be. It was late spring, about two years ago. I was on the brink of two major changes in my life. The first one I was about to enter a new decade, so I was about to turn 30 years old. And the second, I was getting really exhausted with my behaviors on social media and what I was standing for. Social media had really become my immediate work. I trained hairdressers on how to use social media. And doing so, I had figured out really sort of the algorithm hacks and the best practices. And I was really starting to feel unauthentic. And I was starting to feel like the best practices that I was sharing with everybody else was also unauthentic. And, and that was who I was projecting and who I was calling other people to be. This sort of one-dimensional version of themselves that looked really good in a digital space. Both of these things were just kind of bubbling up for me, right? Like reaching a new decade and having this message I wanted to share or having this way I wanted to shift or pivot and not necessarily knowing exactly how I was going to go about and doing it. And lo and behold, I get an email in my inbox that says TEDx was coming to my corporation. In order to explain my response to this email, I have to take it back a year prior I had been working in the field as an education manager and uh, at the time I, working in the field, did not have an office, right? So my home was my office and when I wasn't out 
in salons, you know, training our sales teams or hairdressers, I was working from home. And this was a really magical time for me. I had the Brooklyn studio of my dreams. I guess it wasn't the one of my dreams because it was really small, but I always wanted to live in a loft apartment in Brooklyn that I had all to myself and and this was it. And during the day while I was working and packing up color boxes, planning new lessons and classes, checking my emails, I would stream TED Talks to my TV, crank the volume up, and I would just listen to it in the background, almost like it was background music. And so all day long when I was having my home office days, TED was my anthem. It was just what I listened to. And during that time, I started to imagine what it would be like to grace the stage of a TED Talk, right? And to step on that red circular carpet and feel the rush of adrenaline and the eyes of the people in the audience looking back at me. And without really ever consciously deciding it was a goal, it became the goal, the goal. And so I would be again in the shower, washing my hair, thinking about how I would feel when I got up there. And honestly, I could already feel my stomach drop with anticipation and expectation and nerves and again, adrenaline, as though I was already on that stage. This is the thing. I had decided I didn't know what my TED Talk was going to be on. I never Googled, how do you get on TED? I just had decided this was an experience I really wanted to have. And probably because I didn't over-research it or overthink it, subconsciously, I was already there, right? I didn't really have any of the boundaries or the roadblocks to stop me in my my wildest dreams. It was just me and my imagination co-creating with the universe. And I believe that's really the key is that we have to decide what we want. We have to feel it in our body like it already belongs to us. And the universe will continue to organize itself to bring that thing to us. So when the fall came, I moved into a position in the corporate office and I very soon forgot about my magical days in that studio. My days with the windows open, blasting TED Talks in my apartment had been traded to days looking out the windows of a glass tower and listening to the low hum of office conversation. And my focus shifted from technical education to digital education, which is where I found myself spearheading a social media program for our 350 educators. So when the email came through two summers later that Ted was coming to my corporation and the date was June 22nd, the day before my 30th birthday, I knew, frankly, it was now or never. So I applied and this time I knew exactly what my subject was going to be on. It was going to be on the very thing I had been struggling with, social media, the truth about how I felt about social media at the time. And when I hit apply, I felt my stomach drop as though I was about to step on the stage because I knew it was done. I knew everything was in order and the next thing to follow was me getting a response back that said yes. Ultimately, I got a response back that said, you've made it to the next round of interviews. (laughs) But eventually, we did get to the yes. And training for the talk was very humbling. Honestly, it was 
a lot of work. And I really worried about how the message was going to come across, how I was going to sound, would I have sound perfect enough and would I have been poised enough and would my audience like me and would they think I was smart? So I started practicing and I remember rehearsing my talk as I was riding my city bike across town, saying it out loud. And the good thing about being in New York is that you really can talk out loud to yourself and there is so many people doing that all the time <laughs> that nobody really thinks you're crazy. So somehow I pulled that off. So I'm going to share this talk with you today. And some of the things I say are really old news, like my best practices on social media. Again, this is 2017. But I do hope that it might inspire you to be a little more authentic in your social media practice, if you will. But more than anything, I hope that this will be an invitation to you to start co-creating with the universe. Whatever that thing is that you are dreaming about, whatever that thing is that you're calling in, feel it in your body as though it is already yours. I really think all my greatest manifestations have been about 90% daydreaming and about 10% trying to make it happen. Of course, when the time comes to make it happen, you have to open that email, you have to apply, you have to say yes. I'll also link this talk below if you prefer to watch it versus listen. And I hope that you feel inspired. And without further ado, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Somewhere right now, there is a latte that's been brewed from the best espresso beans in the world. And the steamed milk has formed this perfect little leaf to adorn the crisp white ceramic cup that it sits in. And every second, it's getting colder and colder because the customer just can't seem to get that Instagram-worthy picture. Maybe you've witnessed somebody like this before. Maybe you've been somebody like this before. And either way, you would not be alone. 3.25 billion is the number of photos that are shared on social media platforms every single day. And that's added up to 6.4 million pictures of perfect lattes and that's just on Instagram. Which to me must say that getting a lot of likes on a photo tastes better than getting a drink or coffee while it's still hot. <laughs> now, in our culture today, we often use social media like this. We use it as a way to give people a small glimpse into our lives that they might not get otherwise. And every post, caption, profile update, and check-in that we do has knit together our own unique digital identity. And we're invested in that identity. Because to us, it represents who we are and what we stand for. So in a lot of ways, 
sharing a picture of our morning coffee goes a lot deeper than just letting the world know we've had our caffeine fix. It's a way to seek acceptance. And every like we receive is a way to measure our own relevance in a world that is constantly changing and evolving. We want to know that we haven't been left behind. It's been my job for the past two years to train our 400 educators, our matrix hairdressers, on how to build a strong digital identity and to use the best social media practices to help grow their business. Because today, to thrive in social media is not just a perk. If you want to be successful as a hairdresser, as an educator, it is a requirement. And through my research, through building these trainings, I've found the answer to the question that everybody is asking. How do I get more likes? If you're wondering, just to get the visibility, it's a delicate dance of algorithms, of embedding 30 hashtags into the comment section of your post, of finding out when your audience is most active online and posting during those times. Of course, there's a trick with geotags. So for example, uh, if you worked at a low traffic hair salon, we might suggest to get better visibility to tag yourself at a highly trafficked cafe down the street. So instead of saying that you're at Sally's Salon, you're posting a picture of gorgeous hair and saying that you're at Starbucks. The hashtag girlboss gets a lot of engagement. So we suggest that you use that even if you're still a hashtag assistant. Now these are just tricks for visibility. The real work is in the content. That's really what's going to decide whether or not they click like and whether or not they choose to follow you. And on accounts like Instagram that are a little bit more precious, photos that are well lit, high resolution, low saturation, and above all, aspirational, are what are going to receive the most engagement. Which means that to be a master at social media, you also need to master the art of self-editing and curating your life. When my team put these best practices into use, we grew our reach from 400,000 to 12.6 million in one year. Social media had become a game that I was teaching people how to win by way of self-editing. And for that, I hope my message today can serve as my redemption. Four hours. Four hours is the amount of time that we spend per day on our cell phones. And that's worldwide. So if you think that's a lot, the number actually goes up to five hours a day in the US. So according to Jade's presentation earlier, we're all dead. <laughs> At four hours a day, if we live to be 100 years old, we will have spent 16 years of our life on a cell phone. And that's not calculating the time that we need to sleep. That's just 16 straight years. 16 years. When we think about it like this, 
the digital touch points that we have with our friends and acquaintances. Very likely that we'll have more of those than we will our in-person, face-to-face connections. And that gives a lot more weight to this one-sided, one-dimensional, curated version of ourselves that we're putting out into the world. And the danger comes when we make assumptions about how other people are doing, their well-being, their vitality, simply by what they post online. And even more so when we measure our own worth and value and capacity to be loved by how we size up to it. There was a study done at the University of Houston that found that people who use social media in a way of comparison behavior were more likely to feel isolated and alone. And studies around the world have found a correlation between the rising use of social media and the rising rate of depression in our youth. I think what we do forget, although we know it intuitively for ourselves, is that when we see other people online, we are seeing one side of the story. We're seeing the side that they want us to believe, the side that's happy, right, where there's only pictures of pineapples and watermelon and everyone's smiling. And I thought a lot about what I was asking people to believe of me. And I was pretty certain I would not find any falsehood in my digital identity because I consider myself to be a pretty honest person. But I took a look. And what I found surprised me. It wasn't so much about what I was showing. It was about what I was leaving out. So here's an example. This is a photo of my mother and I in Thailand sitting on a swing on the beach overlooking the ocean. Everything about this picture paints paradise, right? And what I left out is that she and I at the time actually had a terrible bout of food poisoning. And we could barely stay on the swing long enough to take this picture. <laughs> so while the caption reads, Thailand dreaming, it really should say, we are too nauseous to enjoy this swing. Here's another one. This is a photo of me. I was in Cancun doing video editing with uh, Matrix, doing a training. And what I left out about this picture is that I voluntarily, unlike Min, um, edited my own nose. Mainly because it's a side profile. I just didn't like it too much. Guys, Facetune. Have you heard of Facetune? Great app for that. Um, and I thought I was eliminating some shadows. And I thought, oh, I'll just push my nose in a little bit. No big deal. Posted the photo with the caption, Flashback Friday to braids and video editing in Cancun with Matrix. Who else feels like this is a lifetime ago? And what I really should have said is, because of a deep insecurity that I can't explain, I felt the need to edit my face before sharing this, but thanks for the memory. <laughs> Hashtag do not wake up like this. <laughs> Lastly, here's a Beautiful shot, two uh, glasses of champagne overlooking the New York City skyline, you know, a backdrop of rain. The caption reads, two ways to beat the rain. And what I left out is, I was alone. <laughs> or to put a positive spin on it, they're both mine, right? <laughs> Don't be sad about it. Don't be sad about it. <laughs> 
so often uh, we use social media the way that we play the common game of deception, where we distract people with the shiny thing so they can't see what's happening behind the curtain. And I can picture all of us just standing behind curtains, peeking our heads out, waiting for the invitation to come out as we really are, and to be really seen, and to be really heard, and to be loved anyway. And on that thought, then the answer to this social media problem could not be that we should disconnect entirely, but that we have to start connecting differently. We have to be more authentic, because that is where we really connect with each other. Not on what makes us amazing, right, in the best days of our lives, but it is in those vulnerable moments. And to do that, we have to have the courage to be vulnerable in a world that is pressuring us to be perfect. There's two things I want to ask of you today after you leave. The first one, just bring a little mindfulness to your social media practice. The next time that you're going to post, ask yourself why. What is the intention? Is it to inspire? Is it to educate? Or is it simply to show the world how awesome my life is? And if you can't answer that, then just ask yourself this. Is it true? And if it's not true, don't post it. And lastly, if later today, tomorrow, or some distant morning, you are handed a perfect latte, put your phone away and just drink it. Thank you. <laughs>